to the Better Golf Podcast, powered by Win Daily Sports, where betters go to bet better. Here are your hosts, Tee Off Sports and Sticks Picks. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Better Golf Pod. As always, I am Tee Off Sports, and I will be rolling solo on the journey this week after Stick Picks received his notice from the sports books that he's only allowed to handicap one sport per season to avoid putting them out of business. If you aren't doing so already, be sure to check out his adjusted expected total yards model that he releases over at Win Daily. The subscription to the site paid for itself if you backed his touchdown calls on Van Jefferson or Nick Chubb, so don't miss out on what I consider to be the best NFL model in the business. I've mentioned this on some podcasts recently, but this is the first season where I didn't do any NFL content myself. We can joke about why Nick isn't here, but I think one of the reasons people tune in to hear this show is because they know we don't leave any stone unturned when we break down the board. Both Nick and I pride ourselves on trying to make the research as data intensive as possible, which in turn lets us dive deep into where we find our implied probability advantages, and we don't want to release a product that has either of us with our attention elsewhere. We will work on getting Nick back in studio when everything clears, but for the time being, I will be trying to rotate in some of the best minds in golf to do the show with me starting next week. Thanks again for all the support everyone has shown us, and let's get right into the week. The Fortinet Championship, formerly called the Safeway Open for a few years, Silverado Resort and Spa, 7,166 yards, par 72, Poa Anua Greens mixed with a little bent grass. We have a full field of 156 players to start off the 2022 season, and pretty much all the Corn Ferry qualifiers will be here after earning their PGA Tour cards. The last five winners have been Stuart Sink in 2020 at 21 under, Cameron Champ in 2019 at 17 under, Kevin Tway in 2018 at 14 under, Brendan Steele in 2016 and 2017, he won those at 15 under and 18 under. Uh, That list of past champions probably highlights distance over accuracy on the surface, but I'm not 100% sold on that being the only way to find success. Names like Ches Reavy, Ryan Moore, Brant Snedeker, Adam Hadwin, and Charles Howell have been just a few shots away from winning the title themselves, and I think we have a different narrative if we exchange one of those golfers in as the winner. The layout has tight fairways that can quickly close in on you because of the tree-line nature of the grounds. And deep fairway bunkers will provide an additional hazard for those that are wayward on their opening tee shot. I don't want to make it sound as if missing the fairway is a death sentence when it comes to your chances, because the bomb and gouge game plan does work if you miss to the correct side that isn't impeded by danger. But an overall total driving acumen will help play to an advantage of the player if they are approaching the green from the short grass. Short iron proximity is important with nine of the par fours measuring under 450 yards. And we have seen the make percentage for birdies come from 0 to 15 feet, 83.2% of the time. In my opinion, there doesn't seem to be a particular way that the venue must be played, but the ability to score on the par fives will be important since all four holes feature under a 45% birdie or better rate. So from a statistical perspective, I attach the weight to six categories. I started with total driving for 15%. That is a 50-50 aggregate total between distance and accuracy. I did go in by hand and improve any player that graded top 10 in either one of those two categories, just because I believe an elite skill set in one of those two areas will go a long way. I have 25% on proximity from 0 to 150 yards plus weighted putting. I don't want to call this a putting contest, but the ability to make putts certainly won't hurt. Uh, The proximity total was put together by recalibrating proximity ranges from 150 yards and in. 
And then I added uh, a make percentage from zero to 15 feet to pinpoint golfers that are not only going to hit it close, but will also be more likely to make the putt. So the top 10 of that model yielded Ryan Moore, Matt Kuchar, Cameron Tringali, Roger Sloan, Vaughn Taylor, Webb Simpson, David Hearn, Hank Lebiota, Doug Gim, and Nick Taylor. I did par five birdie or better for 20%. As I mentioned a second ago, all four are under 45% for birdie or better percentage, which is why I think scoring remains somewhat neutralized. I did strokes gain total on a short par 72 courses for 15%. I think this is a specific type of test that benefits certain golfers. Top five for that would be Phil Mickelson, John Rahm, Mark Leishman, Charles Howell III, and Ryan Moore. 10% on POA slash bent putting mix over the last 100 rounds. That's 75% POA and 25% bent. And then I wrapped it up with a weighted category that looked into off the tee approach and around the green for 15%. The last three years have seen the scoring dispersion be at 16.1% around the green, 30.8% approach, and 15.13% off the tee. You know, that did surprise me a little because around the green was the only one above tour average, but the runoff areas and undulation to the greens probably add to that category slightly. So when I ran all those numbers, and this is going to be more of a DraftKings answer than anything else, but the biggest discrepancy advantages that I had on my sheet, which essentially is just looking at my overall rank and comparing ownership projections, yielded Andrew Putnam, Aaron Baddeley, Scott Piercy, Bill Haas, Siwoo Kim, Phil Mickelson, J.B. Holmes, Nick Taylor, Mark Leishman, and Charles Howell as the 10 biggest advantages. Uh, that particular model is always going to reward under the radar guys because that is what it's looking to find. On the other side of things, Trey Mullinex, Steven Yeager, Joseph Bramlett, Kiradek Bonrat, Mito Pereira, and Brendan Steele were some of the worst values I had. I think still Bonrat, Bramlett make a lot of sense in that area because all three are generating at least a little traction because of past results. Steele has won this event twice. Bramlett won the Corn Ferry Championship last week, and Oppie Bonrat came second in the BMW PGA Championship in Europe. As everyone knows, I run my model to incorporate some of that data, but I'm always looking to avoid recency bias and pinpoint information from a longer-term perspective. Uh, but, you know, that's a nice little transition here into the top 40 market. That's Nick's bread and butter. So let's see if we can't find some value there. So I'm starting my card with a handful of long shots that I'm going to play for extremely small units, which will be Kevin Chappell plus 300 on FanDuel, Bill Haas plus 440 on FanDuel, and Aaron Baddeley plus 500 on DraftKings. If either of these three hit, it will pay for the whole group. But the best way to describe it is all three are going to equal one regular size top 40 bet for me. Haas has provided three top 20s at the venue over his last four attempts. He ranks eighth around the green over my long-term model. And he is also 12th on short par 72 courses. Uh, when I look at my model, he graded 55th overall, 47th for upside, and 53rd for safety. Uh, Kevin Chappell is still trying to overcome a back injury that has derailed his career. But we've seen some life with him with two top 44s in a row on the PGA Tour and a 15th on the Corn Ferry Tour. He is top 25 in my weighted putting stats, and he is also 24th on short par 72s. So that's 51st overall, 76 for upside, 29th for safety. Upside number leaves a little bit to be desired, but in a top 40 market, I'm going to always look at the safety above anything else. And then Aaron Baddeley brings the same skill set of the other two where he has excelled on short par 72s in his career, ranking seventh in this field over his last 100 rounds and second on the bent POA mix model that I created. So that would be 45th overall, 45th for upside and 58th for safety. 
Uh, I have Scott Piercy plus 230 on DraftKings. It's plus 200 on FanDuel for a top 40. This won't be as small as the first three I mentioned, but it technically is still below a normal size wager for me. Piercy is 41st overall, 56th for upside, 32nd for safety. The safety part of the model is what made him qualify as a wager, but he's a West Coast guy that excels on shorter tests. I'm curious to see from an ownership perspective on a site like DraftKings where he goes, but as of right now, he's my second favorite sub 1% play behind Andrew Putnam, if that remains true. I have Ryan Moore at plus 175 on FanDuel, plus 160 on DraftKings. That's if you're playing it as a top 40, but I'm going to change things up a little bit. And at an offshore book, you can find him plus 350. Ties paid in full to come inside the top 20. I don't mind the top 40 wager either if that's all you have access to. But there's some math that's pointing to a more volatile approach. Moore's recent form of missing three cuts in a row isn't ideal, but each has been virtually on the number. He's the number one short iron player for me in this field. And if we get any positive regression with him on the par fives, I think he can compete to win the title. He's 25th overall, third for upside, 45th for safety. That split of upside versus safety is what I'm speaking of when I talked about the concerns because these are the spots where I generally am okay forfeiting some of the top 40 safety and trying to shoot for upside. Uh, if you have the other one at your disposal and setting, you can only get a top 40. I don't mind doing that, but I'm going to go for like the full gusto with more. I think that makes the most sense. Andrew Putnam, plus 300 on DraftKings, plus 270 on FanDuel. Uh, that will be where my card starts with normal size wagers. So I really like what Putnam brings to the table for a track like Silverado. He's the second best putter in this field for this specific test. And I think his lack of distance will get negated if he can find fairways. He ranks 27th in par five birdie or better percentage, which further increases his upside if he can take advantage of these short par fours. And he's historically been a good par three scorer. When you look at how much risk needs to go into a bet to get you to the win total you want, Putnam will be my largest potential win of the group of any of the options I'm going to mention here. 27th overall, 28th for upside, 24th for safety. I like that he's inside the top 30 and everywhere I looked. I think plus 300 is a really good number for him. And that's going to be a half unit wager for me. That's how I end up making my top 40 bets. They're half unit wagers. They obviously go down for certain bets and then they go up a little bit up to about a unit if it's the biggest play that I'm going to make. But that will be a standard half unit play, but it's going to yield me 1.5 units if it hits. I like Nick Taylor at plus 190 on DraftKings. That's plus 140 on FanDuel. Uh, two top 10s here in his last three tries. He also posted a top 10 at the Wyndham in his last start. He ranks 12th in my model on short par 72s. 11th overall, 13th for upside, 13th for safety. As you can tell, my model really likes him this week. I think he makes a good play in almost all markets, whether you want to look for head-to-heads, uh, GPPs, cash games, anything is going to work for Nick Taylor this week. So... Uh, he's one of my preferred plays in all markets. Sahith Thagala, plus 160 on DraftKings, plus 145 on FanDuel. I talked a lot about Thagala on the DFS show I do over at Golf WRX because my co-host, Josephine Chang, is actually very good friends with him. Uh, Thagala placed 14th here last year. He registers inside the top 15 on my putting model and top 25 on par 5 birdie or better percentage. And as Josephine mentioned, a lot of his stats are slightly worse than they should be because he was dealing with a bad wrist injury. She said those troubles are now behind him. And I think this is a good price to grab on someone that statistically fits Napa Valley. Uh, 32nd overall, the upside does leave something to be desired, but 11th for safety. That's just because of the finish last year. I did go in and hand change that a little bit. So it wasn't such a robust finish with it. But the current form looks fine with what he's producing. And, and I do think this is a good test. Like the par five scoring is important. I do think he has some distance off the tee. 
So he's a guy that I do like backing. I do think he makes some sense on DraftKings also. Uh, Harry Higgs, plus 175 on FanDuel, plus 160 on DraftKings. My model likes Higgs because of the course history and recent form, but I think those are sound reasons when attacking the top 40 market. He finished second here in 2020, 23rd in 2019, and has posted three consecutive top 40 finishes on tour. The fifth place safety ranking I have is highlighting him as one of the best values on the board, but I'm going to temper expectations and just play this as a standard half unit play. And then the last two are going to be my larger plays in terms of units risk. The win total will remain below Putnam's, as I mentioned, but each graded inside the top 10 in terms of safety and also inside the top 10 for overall rank. Uh, the first of those two choices would be Pat Perez at plus 150 on FanDuel. He's minus 110 on DraftKings. Four top 30s in his last five PGA Tour starts with the ninth at the venue last season. Perez is top 25 on both Bent and Poa Greens. Strokes gain total on par 72s under 7,200 yards. Strokes gain total over his last 24 rounds. And par 5 birdie or better percentage. I think he's one of the safest plays on the board. I think he makes a lot of sense at a $7,900 price tag on DraftKings. And I do think that despite some of his lack of win equity, there are some intriguing numbers in the outright market to back him there also. And then my final placement wager on this extremely large card that I have is Charles Howell III, plus 150 on FanDuel, plus 130 on DraftKings. So before I get into why I like Howell, Nick and I have an inside joke about his hatred for CH3. I even went as far as to mail him a sports card after he burned Nick's week to the ground a handful of months ago. And I think the lesson that can be learned here is that if Nick is going to give me free reigns on this show, I'm going to go completely off the rails with selections that he would 100% edit out if we recorded this together. And if that isn't bad enough, I do have a take that I will mention shortly about a player that wears specs that I'm sure Nick will also love. But Howell checked pretty much every box I was looking to find. Inside the top 50 in all six categories that I attach the weight to, and he has passed course history with a fourth here in 2019. Uh, so that's a very big top 40 card for me. Obviously, the more is going to be top 20 in that. That's about as big of a card as I will ever release. But I think that's a pretty good segue into the head-to-head -head market because my card is led off with CH3 minus 109 over Brendan Steele. Uh, we have one of those situations that I mentioned previously where Steele is spiraling statistically over his last 24 rounds, but the course form is holding him up in the eyes of the public. We do have his upside that could come into play, but I'm fine taking the safe floor option in Howell and hoping Steele underproduces. I think that's something that has a really good likelihood chance to happen. I, I think when you look at this from a DraftKings perspective also, he's just a really good pivot away from Steele this week. Yes, he's a little bit more money. The ownership's going to be a little bit less than what you get with Steele, but I think by... Um, and, and that's in an offshore market where he's minus 109. So that's a book where minus 105 each way on that. So Howell is technically a very slight favorite. But I do think that's an indicative thing to say that, you know, Steele is probably going to go a little bit over-owned on DraftKings. And sure, he might produce. We've seen him win twice. But it's not as if his last three finishes at the course have been that great. He has two finishes outside the top 50. The other one was a middling result in and of itself. So I think Howell makes a lot of sense over him in the head-to-head -head market. I'm going back to Pat Perez again, uh, minus 106 over Adam Hadwin. Uh, as I said, all of these other than one will be found at an offshore book, uh, but it's another spot of safety versus volatility. I mentioned the top 40 column of why I like Perez this week, and I think Hadwin's five missed cuts in seven events isn't being weighed properly because of the two robust top tens that he included in the last four starts. My goal is to always look for missed cut potential on these plays, and Hadwin falls right into that territory. I like Nick Taylor plus 110 over Joseph Bramlett. 
Uh, Brownlet's win at the Corn Ferry Tour Championship means something, but he's a player that we've seen a ton of on the PGA Tour. Four missed cuts in his last seven events. I do realize he's trending in the right direction if we include the more recent form, but Taylor has the course history and statistical makeup that I am trying to target. And then the last two, uh, the smallest one for me will be Harry Higgs minus 105 over CT Pan. Higgs is fifth for me from um, a safety perspective. CT Pan's outside of the top 75. I'm willing to go with that. The one thing I've noticed with my model, which is why I always play Harry Higgs for a little bit smaller, is my model doesn't seem to be as accurate with him as other players. So I always lower the units a little bit. It seems to like him more than what his average productions actually give. But the form looks really good. The course history leaves are is very good also. And I think a lot of what CT Pan does leaves something to be desired. And I like Brant Snedeker minus 102 over Steven Yeager. Uh, the Snedeker play can be found on FanDuel. I think Snedeker is a guy that, like when I look at him in my model, he's 14th overall. He's 10th for upside. He's 16th for safety. Uh, Jaeger, there's a lot of Corn Fairy Tour stuff I have, but he's outside of the top 70 in all iterations of how I ran my model. That's a really big discrepancy for a guy, $8,200. I think that this range in general, like, once again, a DraftKings answer, like these $8,000 golfers, most of these guys are going to be players you want to ignore. I don't think there's a vast difference between the $6,000 players and these $8,000 players. Usually these $8,000 guys are low $7,000 golfers during a normal event, but I do think him and surprisingly Phil Mickelson, there's a really good leverage spot to be had on DraftKings contests that you can find because they're going to be both under 5% owned. But that will wrap up my head-to-head card. Uh, and this is going to be a very quick show. I mean, we're looking at about 17 minutes right now on this. We're going to try to keep this under 25 minutes as a solo show here. But before I let you guys get out of here, let's go to the area of the game where I have found a lot of my success lately, which would be the outright wagers. Five wins there in 10 weeks. I had three in a row before that came to a halt with Cantley's Tour Championship win. Uh, but let's see if we can't start a new streak at the Fortinet Championship. And I do want to preface this by saying the card looks bigger than what it is because of all the long shots I have. Uh, I think that it makes a lot of sense to take shots down the board with John Rahm being a three and a half, four to one favorite in most of these boards that you're looking at. I'm going to just take as many shots against him as I can and and go with that. So my first wager is Siwoo Kim at 50 to one on DraftKings. Uh, Siwoo's going to go under the radar because his recent form looks horrible, ranking 143rd in this field over his last 24 rounds with his irons. But it's important to note that not all strokes gain data gets built equally. We saw him lose 16.8 shots at the WGC St. Jude with his irons after hitting multiple shots in the water. And this type of a venue is much more conducive for him to find success. He ranks third around the green, 26 at short courses, and seventh in my par five scoring model. And I think we can get some upside here at a low ownership total. Uh, Charles Howell at 110 to one on FanDuel. I've mentioned before about the lack of perceived win equity that Howell brings to the table. But there is a half of a percent in implied win probability difference in his price at most offshores and where it is in FanDuel. That's enough for me to bite. And I think it does make sense at 110 to 1. He's fourth overall for me in my model. I'm going to go with that. I think 110 to 1 is a generous price to, to take a bite on him there. And I am going to rapid fire some of these so we aren't here all day with explanations on them. But Pat Perez, 95 to 1 on FanDuel. I've obviously expressed why I like Pat Perez, Mark Leishman, 45 to one on DraftKings. I think he has some elite skill sets that he brings to the table. It's going to be volatile. I think that GPPs and outright bets are where you want to play Leishman this week. He might miss the cut, but like when we look at his ability to hit lions from di- irons from distance, I know that's not what's important here. 
but it might help him to score on the par fives. I think that might help him there. And there's just a bunch of things that pop up in the model that I like for him for that reason. So he was inside the top 10 for me. Nick Taylor, 130 to one on DraftKings. Went into a little bit about why I like Taylor. Um, Doug Gim, 80 to one. That's on an offshore book. The 70 to one at the legal books are fine also. He's second for me when I look from just an upside perspective. There are some things bringing him down. I think if you look from a DraftKings thing, like let's see where the ownership goes. I'm fine with 15% and under. I think if he starts getting over that, you can safely pivot elsewhere with it. But 80 to one's a really good price on a guy who, if the putter does catch fire, he's one of the best proximity players in this field with his irons. I like Brant Snedeker at 70 to one on DraftKings. I mentioned that a little bit of why I liked him. Phil Mickelson, 95 to one on FanDuel. I did play this slightly larger than the rest. And so my thought process behind Mickelson is we've seen this before with him at some of these California courses that are shorter. Pebble Beach, he has multiple wins there in top tens. It seems like you get his full upside when you get into these events in California where he can realize some of his win equity in this tournament. So I think 95 to one is a really good number on him. I have Andrew Putnam at 200 to one on DraftKings. That is a, a wager that I did to win 10 units, as I mentioned with that. I think Putnam is one of the better plays here. He's less than 1% owned on DraftKings right now if you're looking just to look for him in GPPs. Ryan Moore, 100 to 1 on DraftKings. Uh, another good course for him anytime we get short venues. I think we've seen that from him in the past. And last but not least, the man, the myth, and Nick's favorite spec legend, Dylan Fratelli at 140 to 1. So uh, I have a really big outright card. I have a really big top 40 card. I have five head-to-head wagers. You know, obviously you guys never see me bet this many players in the outright market, but I think we have an intriguing board to take some shots against Rom at his price while still risking around the same units as usual. For me, I have 1.08 units spread across those 11 bets. All are to win a minimum of eight, and the Putnam and Mickelson wagers are to win 10. I think once you remove Rom from the field, this board gets bad really quickly, and it's a low-risk way to try and gain a lot of exposure to different areas when half the field is going to be Corn Ferry newcomers. But that will do it for us this week on the Better Golf Pod. I want to thank everyone who tuned into the episode and listened, and I will be back next week with a guest from inside of the industry. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Sports. You can find Nick on Twitter at Sticks That's S-T-I-X-P-I-C-K-S. And you can find the two of us together at Better Golf Pod on Twitter. Good luck this week to everyone, and let's continue to make that money.